Visit licentureexams.com and try our samples completely free of charge. Hello, dear therapists, and welcome back to our podcast here at Licensure Exams. I'm Stacy Frost, and this is my co-host, the one and only Dr. Linton Hutchinson. Hey, hey, everybody. Stacy and I thought, well, why don't we do something different today? What we have done is episodes on study techniques, micro skills, counseling theories, but we've been noticing a particular pattern here lately. Wouldn't you say, Stace? I sure would. So you see, we've had a lot of test takers asking us questions about eating disorders lately, specifically bulimia and anorexia. Now, as you're preparing for your exam, you need to make sure that you are well-versed in your diagnostic skills. The DSM-5-TR is not something that you can memorize overnight, and our advice is to take your time and be thorough. Exactly. Before we dig in, it might be helpful to have a brief overview of the two disorders so that everyone is on the same page. You got it. So both bulimia nervosa and anorexia nervosa are eating disorders, and both can be incredibly damaging to a person's health and well-being. The disorders share several features in common. Like what? Well, both of these disorders involve an unhealthy relationship between food and the body, and they're driven by a distorted view of one's self-image. Well, that makes sense so far. Can you give me a brief description of bulimia first? Sure. So people with bulimia nervosa will engage in binge eating episodes and then try to prevent weight gain by using compensatory behaviors which are really methods to compensate for the caloric intake that they consumed. And this can include vomiting, misusing laxatives, using diuretics or other medications, fasting, or even excessive exercising. Hmm. No, wait a minute. It's not just vomiting? That's a good question. So vomiting is the most common technique to prevent weight gain, but it's just one of several methods that meet criteria for a compensatory behavior. Okay, I've got it. Bulimia involves three key features, binge eating, followed by some kind of compensatory behavior, which is not always vomiting, Mm -hmm. and a distorted self-image. Those are the three. A distorted self-image. That's when a client will place excessive emphasis on their body shape or weight when they're evaluating themselves. Yep, you got it, Linton. That's correct. All right. Now, tell me about anorexia nervosa. Okay, get ready. So there are also three key features of anorexia. Number one is a persistent restriction of energy intake, food, that leads to significantly low body weight. Number two, an intense fear of gaining weight or of, quote unquote, becoming fat or persistent behavior that interferes with weight gain. And number three is a distorted perception of their weight or body shape. So I'm with you so far, but I'm sensing that you're about to complicate things, aren't you, Stacy? Ah, you know me so well. (laughs) So when most people hear the term anorexia nervosa, it conjures up this image of a really thin person who is essentially starving themselves by restricting their caloric intake. They're not able to maintain a healthy weight because they aren't eating enough food. And this is the classic, what we call clinically anorexia nervosa restricting type. And you might think that that's the only one. But just like the famous Yoda said, no, there is another. What? (laughs) Yes, it's true. There are actually two subtypes of anorexia. 
Oh, okay. So it's sort of like a BOGO at Publix, right, Stacy? <laughs> you in Publix, so not quite, Linton. Hey, by the way, why are you thinking about eating right now? Well, you brought up the topic. <laughs> well, I'm going to get back on topic while you finish eating your asparagus and drinking your celery juice over there. Mm -hmm. So we've got the restricting type and the other subtype is binge eating purging type. Oh, wait a minute there, buddy. How's that different than good old bulimia, where the person just binges and purges? Well, that is a good question, partner. And really the whole reason that we're doing this podcast episode. Eating disorders are complex and there's a lot of crossover between them. Sure. Then why make things easy when you can complicate them, Stacy? Those tricksters on the DSM-5 TR committee. I could yeah. just... <laughs> exactly. Me too. Me too. Well, anorexia nervosa, binge eating purging type, and bulimia nervosa look very similar. And in fact, they're differential diagnoses for each other. Mm. And the way that you can distinguish between the two is pretty simple and straightforward. It's the client's weight. Well, sure. I think I'm going to head down to Publix for a snack of some freeze-dried garlic cloves while you sort this one out, Stacy. Seriously, Linton? No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait a minute. They actually make freeze-dried garlic cloves? They I've do. This. They do, yeah. Okay. Well, all okay. right. I might have to try it out sometime. All right. All right. So back to our differentiation here. So here goes. Individuals with both types of anorexia, the restricting type and the binge eating purging type, will be underweight. This is part of the diagnostic criteria for anorexia. For individuals who have bulimia nervosa, weight is within the normal parameters of body weight given their age, sex, developmental trajectory, and physical health. So again, anorexia nervosa has two types, restricting and binge eating purging type. The restricting type is pretty simple to differentiate from bulimia because there's no binging and purging, right? A person is just restricting food intake. Right, right. Okay. Now the binge eating purging type is one that's a little bit trickier to differentiate from bulimia because the behavior is the same, but this is where the client's weight comes into play. Okay. All right. So underweight, you're more likely looking at anorexia at or above normal weight. It's more likely bulimia. Mm -hmm. That's right. Of course, the client has to meet the other diagnostic criteria as well, like the duration of the disturbance. Otherwise, you might be looking at other specified feeding and eating disorder. But let's save that for another episode. Yes, good call, Linton. I think we've complicated things enough. Yeah. So, well, Linton, I can't wait to demystify some more disorders with you. And as for you, dear listeners, as you work to become better equipped in your diagnostic skills, it's important to remember that all eating disorders have their nuances. And it's crucial to bear this in mind as you work through the DSM-5-TR while you're reading up on the various disorders. So until we meet again, good luck with your studies. And as always, remember, it's in there. It's in there. <laughs>